Man, we gotta start using Apple Cash. Okay, why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Oh, that is nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff like at a store with Apple Pay. I don't have to do all that bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. Easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times. Every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Steph I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And happy Star Wars Day! Happy Star Wars Day! Yes! Yes! I believe! May the 4th be with you when this comes out. Yes! Yes, (laughs) if you're listening to it, when it comes out, uh, it is Star Wars Day. Very exciting. And I'm sure you've heard a lot of our Star Wars content lately. Uh, And we thought, well, I thought, uh, what better way to celebrate than with a Feminist Movie Wednesday on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, And in fact... I, for the occasion, made a very special drink. It's unfortunately, I made it uh, kind of on a whim this morning, so it's not quite there yet, but it's like a gin infused with butterfly pea flower and glitter. Ooh. Very, very pretty. Glitter? Edible glitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't just put arts and craft glitter in my class. I was class, like, girl, I we need to talk. <laughs> but it's Star Wars Day. No, no, no. Edible glitter. <laughs> and one of the reasons this is on my mind is because uh, over on Savor, the other podcast I do, we're doing an episode on the butterfly pea flower, oh, which yeah, actually yeah. has a fascinating history and is named after the clitoris. So uh, right. check that out if you're interested. <laughs> All right. So, yes, today we are talking about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. A lot of you have written in to suggest this. So, thank you. Also, it feels very wrong doing this without Holly Fry because this is her favorite, or at least to my, unless anything is, you know, bumped it off the top, is her favorite Star Wars thing. So, don't hate us, Holly. We were thinking about maybe doing a, another happy hour with her soon where we could just talk about it. Yeah. But speaking of, this is a movie that I will never forget uh, watching with Samantha for the first time because we had a bit of a misunderstanding. Or a misunderstanding on my end. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, though, okay, 
I feel like, so we've already had this argument every time. Every time she brings up this movie, mm-hmm. I can't let it go. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the one thing that I have assigned her with, and again, this is all on me, but still, I love to project because it's fun, <laughs> that you have to warn me if there's sadness in this. Because I, mm-hmm. I just need to be prepped. I mm-hmm. My journey with Star Wars started a year and a half ago, two years ago, with you. Mm-hmm. I have never fully watched any of the movies and I've never seen it. So I feel like you should have been aware that I knew nothing <laughs> and that I get traumatized by very sad movies. Mm-hmm. And as Holly put it, in which we were trying to uh, relay what happened, this is the Titanic of all Star Wars, mm-hmm. the franchise. <laughs> Everybody dies. I was not. Mm-hmm prepared and the anger on my face but it's not just that everybody dies but they start at the very beginning just killing off everyone so the tone (laughs) of the whole thing is there's no redemption they just all die (laughs) i remember very clearly we were we were at the beach watching this and there was a part where you i looked over and you were getting angrier and angrier and it was towards the end and i kind of shrugged and i was like well what what did you expect i mean they all die in the end and the look you gave me. <laughs> it struck me down dead. <laughs> the look I gave you was, what do you mean everybody is dead? Why? <laughs> oh, man. And then there was a long, awkward silence until we got yes. to the end. <laughs> yes. And I just sat there and mm-hmm. stared. Mm-hmm. And I said, you've betrayed me. And mm-hmm. or something along the lines of, why would you do this to me? You mm-hmm. should have warned me. <laughs> <laughs> what the? F- well, and I, you know, my bad. But I just assumed everyone knew that's what happened in that. No, I, I knew nothing <laughs> about Star Wars. Yeah, I think but- this was our first, like, <laughs> head into let's watch the prequels and the, the sequels. Uh, sequels. Yeah. At this point in time, I hadn't seen them. And I'm like, why would you <laughs> do this to me? Well, there was got- no redemption. <laughs> no one survived. And I was very angry. I was like, I need at least one freaking person to be alive. And there wasn't. Leia makes it. <laughs> and you kept going on. And the, the thing about that was you kept telling me, this is my favorite, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. This is Holly's favorite. Mm-hmm. I did not know why. In my mind, that means something happy is happening. And this no, is going to be no. so amazing because this is before I realized you like the traumatizing <laughs> versions Sad of things, uh, <laughs> fictions. And I was like, uh-huh. what? And then on top of that, if I remember correctly, you're like, but it has the best hug scene ever. And I'm like, it does. you, they died. <laughs> That is such a good hug, though. <laughs> okay, I'm done. This is how okay. my voice goes every time we discuss this. I get very, very authoritative mm-hmm. and annoyed. I like it. Uh, and I probably deserve it. I do want to actually mention, though, I think this whole misunderstanding, which I'm just going to call it, <laughs> is actually based on a misunderstanding of mine. Because the first time I saw this, this is my favorite non-original oh, yeah. trilogy Star Wars movie. 
it is very sad. I watched it yesterday and I was like, I know what happens. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so sad. Um, yeah, I couldn't watch the ending. It is brutal. That couldn't. is real sad. But uh, the first time I saw it, which was kind of before I really, like I've always loved Star Wars, but it was kind of before this like real deep dive I've done during the pandemic. I thought it was supposed to take place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which is incorrect. I thought it was based on the line Mon Mothma says in Return of the Jedi, where she says, many Bothans died to bring us this information. I thought that's what it was because, surprise, surprise, there's two Death Stars. So I feel like that's an easy mistake to make, (laughs) stealing the Death Star plans. Also, it's clear I didn't know what a Bothan was. uh, But anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I don't. I didn't either. But I would have known something was amiss had I known what a Bothan was. So that's part of the reason I kind of thought everyone knew. I thought like, oh, she says it in Return of the Jedi. Many Bothans died to bring us this information, which would have been. I please don't. Uh, this movie is very sad. That would have been sadder because then those that plan was like a fake. But anyway, uh, so I was watching this in theaters when it first came out, and Tarkin showed up. Uh, who's kind of that like creepy older British guy who's in charge of the Death Star and A New Hope. And I was like, no, this is wrong. How could they make such a big mistake? (laughs) He's dead. Um, (laughs) He's not dead. Anyway, I was wrong. And also I lost my scarf that day. So that was a a sad day. Not a win for me. Not a win for me. But yes, uh, this movie, I will say, is a very big tonal difference. And this is something I'm kind of struggling with. With Because um, the original trilogy I maintain is like children's fairy tale. And I love it. And then this comes in and it's like, but actually everyone dies and it's war. I don't think it's wrong, but it's kind of like a disconnect. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it. And if you have seen in the, in my opinion, very super cute deleted scene from A New Hope, where Luke and his friend uh, slash crush, according to fan fiction, uh, Biggs Darklighter, who later died in the Battle of Yavin trying to destroy the Death Star, uh, they're discussing politics. And Luke is so excited because he saw in the sky this what he thought was a firefight. Um, and yes, that's the battle that's taking place at the end of Rogue One. Of course, that's retconned that they did that afterwards. But it is... I really like that deleted scene. But anyway, um, <laughs> it happens immediately before A New Hope. Immediately before. Everyone also, dies. <laughs> and then there's hope. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Still so uh, you, Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel it. James Gunn uh, recently made news when he said that this movie was the most underrated Star Wars anything. Uh, a series based on the character Andor from this movie uh, recently got greenlit for a second season, even though the first season hasn't come out yet. But then it was supposed to have five, and now they've cut it down to three. So who knows? I don't know what's going on. So is and, it, wait, Endor is where the Wookiees... No, Andor, not Endor. Oh. oh. Mm. <laughs> See? Cassian. This is why I say, no, don't assume I know anything about Star Wars just because I've watched it with you 50,000 times. <laughs> Why would I assume that? Uh, well, that's kind of why I've shifted the format and I'm very open to questions at any time. Because <laughs> clearly, I have no real grasp on when people don't understand everything that I know about Star Wars. It takes me a uh, long time, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's confusing. Uh, it's totally fair. Um, and yes, you can see our many, many 
past episodes on Star Wars, many in this month about fictional women in the world of Star Wars. Perhaps for this one particularly, see the one that we did on the feminism of Star Wars. Uh, Forever Go Bridget and I did one where we talked about this movie a lot. And the feminist movie Friday, or Wednesday, who knows, on the prequels and the sequels. Uh, which, yes, we have done we have done all of these things. Which I also think the prequels could be the Titanic, too, because you know what's happening, but every everybody kind of knows what happens to Darth Vader. Clearly not everyone <laughs> knew what happened <laughs> before A New Hope. Hmm. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Kim Crawford does too. That's why they're inviting you to experience Golden Hour, your chance to reclaim your time and laugh with your favorite people, play your favorite song on repeat, gaze outside your window and daydream about your wildest dreams, or celebrate your victories. No matter the moment, you can savor it all with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. As the number one ranked Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S., Kim Crawford has classic aromas of lifted citrus, tropical fruit, and crushed herbs to help you stay in a golden hour state of mind. Because golden hour is more than just time, it's whenever you want to savor amazing. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more. That's KimCrawfordWines.com to find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Anyway, anyway, before Samantha gets angry at me, let's talk about the plot. I'm sure that'll make it better. <laughs> Rogue One is a 2016 space opera directed by Gareth Edwards with a screenplay by Chris Weitz and Tony Gilroy from a story by John Knoll and Gary Whitta. And yes, I watched this yesterday. And then further with characters based on George Lucas. Uh, it is the first standalone uh, movie in the Star Wars universe. It's also the first one that doesn't have the scrolling yellow uh, script at the beginning. Oh. Uh, yeah. It stars Felicity Jones as Jen Erso, Diego Luna as Cassian Andor, Mads Mikkelsen as Galen Erso, Ben Mendelsohn as Imperial Officer Orson Krennic, Donnie Yen, who is a huge name in Hong Kong cinema, as Chirrut yes. Imwe, Jiang Wen, 
as Blaze Malvis, who's Holly's favorite, uh, Riz Ahmed as Bodie Rook, Alan Tudyk as K2SO, Forrest Ridker as Saw Gerrera, with bonus CGI cameos from Tarkin, not necessarily CGI, but Darth Vader and Princess Leia, uh, and other cameos by Jimmy Smith as Bail Organa, whom I love, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2, uh, and yes, Darth Vader has this really terrifying hallway fight scene they mimicked with Luke in The Mandalorian, and you can watch it side by side. It's really cool. Uh, also, Mon Mothma. Uh, it was generally well-received. It was a financial success. I can't wait till we talk about some of the reviews. It's going to be so fun. Uh, mm. Okay. So, the film opens on research scientist Galen Erso and his wife and daughter hiding out on a remote planet. Galen and his wife instruct their daughter, Jen, their stardust, to hide when they notice Imperial troopers led by weapons developer Orson Krennic approaching. Jen runs through the fields as Galen confronts Krennic, who is there to force him to work on completing the Empire's planet-destroying weapon, the Death Star. Galen tries to refuse, and his wife, Lyra, is killed in the skirmish, and Galen agrees to accompany them. (laughs) We'll talk about that later, I promise. As Jin escapes and is rescued by rebel extremist Saw Gerrera, who actually was in uh, Clone Wars. So, 15 years go by, a cargo pilot named Bodhi Rook defects from the Empire in possession of a recorded message from Galen Erso destined for Saw Gerrera, who is hiding out on the planet of Jeddah. The Rebel Alliance hears about this defection and a super weapon called the Death Star, and they send Cassian Andor, an Alliance intelligence officer, to investigate. At the same time, Jen Erso is free from a labor camp and brought before Alliance leader Mon Mothma. Mon convinces her to aid in the search for Jen's father, Galen, so they can learn more about the Death Star and a possible weakness it might contain, while at the same time tasking Cassian with killing Galen if they find him. Also unnecessary. (laughs) I love it. I can't wait till we get to the discussion portion. (laughs) Cassian, Jin, and a reprogrammed Imperial droid named K2SO make their way to the planet Jeddah, where the Empire is harvesting kyber crystals, which are the hearts of lightsabers, in order to power the Death Star. Uh, When they arrive, things are immediately tense. Uh, Saw Gerrera and his forces are facing off against the Imperials. Jin and Cassian are captured and taken to Saw, who has also imprisoned and interrogated Rook. Saw plays Galen's message for Jin, in which Galen reveals he built a weakness into the Death Star called Project Stardust, although that's not revealed until later, uh, and that she should go to the planet Scarif to get the Imperial layouts of the project. Cassian and Rook are able to escape with the help of Chirrut Imwe, a blind spiritual warrior who uses the Force, and his companion mercenary Blaze Malbus. My my favorite line, I will say, is when he does get the hood on his head and he's like, really? <laughs> right. Because he's he's blind. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> and I laugh every time. And they he is the one redeeming character, except he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So at the same time, Critic, who is desperate to show off the fruits of his labor and looks very much like a German Nazi soldier uh, and get recognition for his work, orders a low-power demonstration of what the Death Star is capable of by firing at the capital of Jeddah. <laughs> Jen and the gang are able to escape in time, though Saw Gerrera stays behind, which he didn't have to, I don't understand. The demonstration backfires for Krennic when Tarkin takes control of the project due to Rock's defection and related security issues, so he claims. I love the drama between Tarkin and Darth they Vader each and other. Krennic. We're going to yeah. talk about that. I, I have a whole section on it, but I really love their, their kind of like... Sassy. <laughs> so I want to go back to that Saw Gerrera could have lived. Okay, yes. He could have. Uh, and we could talk Unnecessary about that. Unnecessary well, death. He, yeah. 
<laughs> he's very intense, we shall say. He's perfectly cast, though. I just wanted to put that out oh, there. Oh, excellent. So good. Horse Whitaker. So great. Anyway, mm-hmm, you go. Mm-hmm. Rook directs them to the planet of Edu, where Galen Urso is stationed. Cassian instructs Jen to stay behind on the ship, but she ignores him, sneaking out to catch a glimpse of her father, uh, who, again, she has not seen since she was a child. Cassian prepares to kill Galen via sniper rifle, but decides against it when he notices Jin approaching. However, the rebel forces launch a bomb strike that hits just after she reveals herself. And after Galen admits he is the traitor, Krennic orders the deaths of the other researchers on his team and they are executed. So this happens, and then the rebels come in and they launch this bomb strike. Um, and Galen is wounded and dies in Jin's arms. She is forced to leave his body behind and escapes with Cassian and the others. Krennic is summoned by Vader. And when Krennic demands to speak with the Emperor, Vader force chokes him, telling him to be careful not to choke on his aspirations. Classic. I wonder how many puns he went around making. <laughs> yeah, he should have, especially when it's like, don't choke on that. <laughs> uh, oh. Also, that didn't sound like James Earl Jones. I want to put that in there. Mm-hmm. When I heard that mm-hmm. line. Um, so, Jen, now armed with the knowledge of her father's intentions after all this time, <sighs> who obviously has to die so they can't <laughs> have, be happy, tries to pursue the leaders of the rebel fleet to go to Scarif to steal the Death Star plans, but she fails, obviously, because everything is the worst. <laughs> Determined to try anyway, she sets out to commandeer a ship and is approached by Cassian and a group of fighters who want to help her out of guilt. I don't know. Rock names their stolen Imperial ship Rogue One. Jen gives an inspirational speech about how they're going to fight till the very end, and they do. A disguised Jen, Cassian, and K2SO, who has become my fa- one of my favorites. I've decided that I just truly love defiant, rebellious robots or droids. You do. Those are my yeah. favorite because I love some K2SO yeah. as much oh, as I love great. Chopper. <laughs> yes, Chopper's also fantastic. Just so you know. <laughs> they mm-hmm. enter the Imperial base while the rest of the rebellion force attacks to cause a distraction and they all die. When the Alliance leaders hear about this, they reverse their decision and send their fleet in support and then comes all the sadness and all the death and all the hateful, hateful deaths <laughs> and all the feels. <laughs> I'm fine. It is moving. I was surprised. I was. Like, I wasn't moved. I'm angry. <laughs> I think that might be our differences in emotional reactions to things. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, here we go. Let's break down these this sadness. So K2SO sacrifices himself so Jin and Cassian can enter the room where the data is held. And notably, this is after kind of. Uh, Jin, who is distrustful of droids, gave him his much-desired blaster, like they kind of had this connection. Chirrut dies after activating the master switch so the Rebellion can contact the ground to get the data. Baze Malbus dies, killing Imperial forces to hold them back. Uh, and they are saying, I am one with the Force, the Force is with me. Brooke dies by grenade after informing the rebel forces uh, what they need to do to intercept the Death Star plans and also setting up this connection. One of the rebels uses a hammerhead corvette ship to destroy two star destroyers, causing the ensuing wreckage to crash onto the shield generator and causing it to fail. Meanwhile, Jin and Cassian get their hands on the plans but are attacked by Krennic, who shoots and wounds Cassian. Jin climbs up to the top of the structure and after some obstacles and a fight, is able to transmit the schematics moments before the Death Star arrives above Scarif. 
It's very visually cool, by the way. Um, Tarkin orders another low-powered blast at the antenna, killing Krennic and causing a tsunami that kills Cassian and Jen. Yes, this is my best status hug ever. And all the remaining ground forces. Meanwhile, the rebel fleet tries to jump to hyperspace, but they are besieged by Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. Vader arrives on one of the ships and kills many of the rebel soldiers, but they manage to pass along the plans to another starship that escapes. Uh, Some archival footage was used in this scene, and apparently they used vintage 70s lenses and asked, uh, like, the dudes to grow mutton chops and mustaches to match the 70s vibe. Uh, There's no Porkins. Is there no Perkins? The two of them do show up. I looked for Perkins. <laughs> you looked for Perkins. The one character I knew outside of R2-D2, Leia, Luke, Darth Vader, Han, which I don't even think I knew Han's name, Chewbacca, mm-hmm. is Perkins. And even to this day, I don't even think I remember any of the tem- other generals. I just know Perkins. <laughs> Anyway, keep going. Anyway, Porkins aside, aside. Uh, yes, <laughs> Princess Leia is revealed. Uh, and this is after Bail Organa is like, I have someone, I trust her with my life. Uh, who, Bail Organa, obviously being her dad, her adopted dad. Um, and she assures the person that hands her the plans that they contain hope. Uh, and the movie came out less than two weeks before Carrie Fisher's death, by the way. So it was really emotional when this happened. Mm-hmm. And it jumps right into A New Hope. Like, that's seconds away. (laughs) Um, And just to really twist the knife, Samantha, in the alternate ending, they lived. (laughs) The characters lived. (laughs) But, uh... That silence you hear is the rage seething inside me. (laughs) This was the the original ending, but I think some of the executives were like, oh, gosh, this is so sad. Just one or two. the damn droid live. <laughs> My God. Knowing Star Wars, somehow that droid will show back up. I like At least Mway. Let me have Mway. <sighs> My God. I love him. He's one of my favorite actors. He needed to live. <laughs> I am very great. upset. I can feel they it. They could have left. Yeah. This is this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, keep going. Uh, fun Easter egg. The director stole the Death Star plans prop. I think is funny. Uh, some reviews I liked that I wanted to include. George Lucas apparently said he liked this movie better than The Force Awakens, and the director of Rogue One said, I can die happy now. David Elrich at IndieWire wrote, a spirited but agonizingly safe attempt to expand cinema's most holy blockbuster franchise and keep the wheels greased between proper installments. Just a glorified excuse to retcom some sense into one of the silliest things about the original. Mostly I'm just really tickled by this because of everything that came after. <laughs> Like the you didn't hell know. is this like a silly safe? How is this safe? Everybody <laughs> died. <laughs> well, there's a lot of funny things about this review in retrospect. One of my favorite things. So he's alluding to they made this movie to explain one of the biggest kind of jokes, plot holes. Plot holes. I, I wouldn't call it a plot hole, but it's just kind of silly that why would they have this like one place or if you shoot uh, a blaster a bolt down it the whole thing blows up so this was the this movie was like aha we have your answer and it's so sad don't you feel terrible about making fun of it now but wait maybe it's because i didn't know the originals before rogue one but i thought that was the whole point of her having those plans she did have plans no 
Leia didn't get those get plans that could show the weakness. She did. They're saying the weakness is silly. Like, as oh. a plot point, that is very silly that they would have that built in. Like, why would that exist? Oh, so that someone would betray the reason they had... Okay. Yeah, so like, they how made... How is that silly? That makes sense. To me, it always made sense. It was always kind of like, maybe a little suspension of disbelief, but also like, yeah, that it's space. I don't know anything about building spaceships. So sure, maybe this thing does lead directly to the core and it's going to blow up. I don't know. Um, but it, it has been in the Star Wars fandom very much joked about. And this movie was kind of like, aha, well, this is why. And that's so much of what Star Wars fandom is. That's what they do. Yeah, and I, like, I could, I've talked before, a lot of Star Wars fandom is very toxic. A lot of it is very, like, well, actually. Um, A lot of times it kind of, if it's the smaller thing, it tickles me. Uh, Like, I love the kind of, like, Carrie Fisher has this sort of British accent in the first one, or like a strange, detached British accent. And they later explained it with, oh, that's a core accent, which really Carrie Fisher later said, no, it's because I went to school in London and that's kind of what I thought <laughs> royalty would sound like. Like, that is what we funny. are taught. Exactly. <laughs> that's not wrong. They're not wrong. Right. Like, I never, there was never any part of me that questioned that. Uh, but then a lot of fans did, so they wrote in an explanation. Like, they always do this. It's like they're embarrassed <laughs> that we found a plot hole. Um, but if it's something huge or, like, character-altering, then I don't like it. Then I yeah. do not like it. Maybe this is George Lucas being a bit of a narcissist who just can't be wrong, so he tries to correct it. Maybe, maybe. In this movie, which I do love, and I don't think... I'm kind of not really talking about this, even though it is part of the culture that made this. Um, George Lucas didn't, he gave up control by this point, but he was sort of kind of notorious for that. And that's why the uh, who shot first with Greedo and Han scene has changed so much. Because, well, I don't know him, but in my I, in my understanding, it's because he kept <laughs> changing his mind on like how we interpreted that scene and how he thought we should interpret that scene. Uh, ultimately, that he wanted you to... Originally, he kind of was more like Han is a straight-up smuggler at this point, and now he sort of seems to have come to the point where he wants you to believe Han was shooting in self-defense. Uh, so, the, basically what I'm saying is this franchise is Wait, notorious Wait, are we supposed to think that Han is, like, all the time, has always been a good guy or something? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Because he is not. <laughs> I don't think so, but we're supposed to think he's better? Valiant? I think we're just... Which, again, like, I literally... And maybe it says something about me, but I never really thought about it that way. Like, I just was like, okay, he has this character arc where he comes to care about people. But I thought his whole character arc was like caring about people, but doesn't want to show his weakness. And he'd rather exactly. be like manly, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But I think that for whatever reason, George Lucas in that one scene has been, because it's changed that really bothered at him. least four <laughs> times. Which, by the way, I'm going to see uh, A New Hope in theaters on um, Revenge of the Fifth, May 5th. And uh, I've heard that it's going to cause a lot of drama because no one knows what version they're showing. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I like, don't care. Will you know immediately? 
Oh, I will know. Oh, if they don't have the green text in the beginning, then I already know. Oh, already. you already know. Mm-hmm. I, I actually <laughs> really honestly don't care. I don't think it's worth getting that upset about. I have my preferred version, but whatever. Oh, I know. Yes, I know you know. But that's, I mean, that's another great example is that he kept coming in and like adding these things and trying to change it. And I think a lot of that was due to the fan dialogue that happens around these. Um, so is that a good quality or bad quality, do you think? I don't think... The examples we have, I don't think it's a good quality. I think there are instances where it could have been, um, especially like something's really problematic, even though they had an example of that book of Boba Fett and they just handled it in the very worst way, I thought. But where they didn't, they didn't acknowledge. They just were like, never mind, forget that happened. It was like <laughs> that. We just totally changed that now. <laughs> right. I remember. So I think it, there are instances where it could be good. Most of the examples we get in this fandom, I don't think are that. <laughs> and I do think like, ah, ah, there's just a part of me that's like, let it go. Like it's, so the people, fans are going to nitpick. A lot of these fans are are the worst. Let's just be real. We don't need to cater to them. Like it's whatever. Right. <laughs> just ignore them. It's fine. We liked them. It was a fun like fairy tale romp. We don't need to explain everything that's in there. <laughs> I keep this makes it sound like I don't like this movie. I love well, this movie. <laughs> to be honest, I don't really take it legitimately since it wasn't filmed in matter space. <laughs> I think Samantha's referencing my favorite criticism. I think you are that I've ever read yes. <laughs> of Return of the Jedi is clearly it was filmed on Earth. And I'm like, sure was. <laughs> it sure was. I get what they're saying, but that's also very ignorant because there are deserts on Earth. They filmed that on Earth too. It's just you don't live in a desert. You don't right. live in an ice place. Anyway, this, this fellow <laughs> was very mad about the fact that he thought, I guess, a forest would never exist in space and this was clearly filmed on Earth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars fans. Oof. Uh, speaking of, there was a lot of criticism of the digital recreations of Tarkin and Leia, which again kind of tickles me, given what we're dealing with now, what we're seeing now. This was one of the first instances because Carrie Fisher did die around this time. The actor who played Tarkin uh, had been dead for a while, where we there was a lot of questions about the ethics of it because she obviously didn't sign a contract that said... She didn't sign a contract with informed knowledge that that was an option, that that was right. a thing. Like, you do sort of sign away your likeness a lot of times for these things. But this is different than that. This is, like, recreating you. And that's kind By of a messy way, area. Yeah, as in fact, there's been a, apparently a whole concert show in Las Vegas with Whitney Houston. Really? Mm -hmm. And they've been selling out. <gasps> So I don't See? know. I haven't dug deeper into it. I didn't even know this existed. I knew it's mm -hmm. been happened because, you know, we know Tupac had a performance. Mm -hmm. Just but it was like a one performance. This is whole shows, apparently. Yeah. And I don't know who's getting the money. That has a lot of questions because our daughter died. Um, mm. So I'm not really sure who gets that, who reads yeah. that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a concern that I've had kind of the like monetary aspect who owns your who owns you and I've seen a lot of YouTube videos about it lately well like that's what we were having again we're kind of and I'll come back but like Jet Li would not do Matrix because he didn't want his moves recorded to be right. used that way right 
Yeah, and I like the okay, yeah, we're getting into a whole separate conversation, but one of the reasons I really really love the originals and I think it, they work and there's a lot of nostalgia involved and I'm not going to deny that. But I do think like Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill they brought something to it, like personal right. to it. And it was an era. It was. And and they I just feel like they gave so much of themselves and they were so genuine in those roles. And they shaped them. And, and Harrison Ford did a great job. But I think like more so, because he kind of has that whole persona vibe anyway. But they kind of like really gave this themselves to it. And they didn't do too much outside of it. Um, that was huge. Like they've done a lot of work that um, they don't get a lot of notice for. And a lot of it's great. And they should get more recognition. But that's why I think like it's missing. It's missing something. And there's that's also Uncanny Valley stuff we're talking about. But uh mm-hmm. It is a part of this conversation for sure. And I heard, I mean, and I, I heard a lot of mixed when this came out. It was really emotional because she had just died. But I heard a lot of mixed reactions to it. I got emotional too, but it was still kind of like, whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not her. Um, and th- those conversations are obviously playing out right now um, with all the stuff in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Uh, also... Of interest. Uh, this movie came out soon after Donald Trump's presidential victory, and screenwriter Whites tweeted, Please note that the Empire is a white supremacist human organization. Uh, and that's been really interesting. Of like, a lot of really right leading Republicans don't seem to realize like the Empire is bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, they tweet like the Death Star stuff, and I'm like, Right. Everyone this? was like, Dude, you, well, even the songs. Republicans use they're like that's mm-hmm. not that's not what you yeah no I don't think you're listening to this like when they start doing Rage Against the Machine you're like literally yes. you're the machine mm-hmm. <laughs> it's strange it's very strange to me and you know I have to mention we've been talking a lot about fan fan- fandom I found this whole thing about fan fiction in this movie and I want to include a quote about Star Wars fandom and fans from the New York Times after this movie came out, quote, the dominant cultural image of a Star Wars fan may be a lightsaber-wielding fanboy, but women have always been essential creators in this fan universe. They started early fan clubs and mailed out fanzines like Skywalker and Moonbeam, packed with fiction, essays, and art. In 1982, Pat Newsman published an essay in the zine Alderan that described a female fandom so rich and vast that she was prompted to ask, where are the men? She continued, Male names are rare and columns are fancying order list. Male faces scarce at media conventions. And the number of men writing or drawing or editing in media fandom so minimal as to be practically non-existent. So I think this is interesting because we've talked about this. With the 80s, it's very much simplifying. The 80s, when that's when Return of the Jedi came out. That's when th- this essay was being written. At that point, uh, Star Wars was very equal. Um, publicly, but that's when all this gendering of toys and stuff happened. And Star Wars, like, as much as I love it, was very much the sort of thing that launched toys. (laughs) Like, movie merchandise that's tied in. Or it's the thing that popularized it and made it huge. And so, I think we see this sort of flip of it being seen as a boys thing. And by this point, when Rogue One came out, it's Still, that's still the image, even though I think a lot of the fandom is... Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Kim Crawford does too. That's why they're inviting you to experience Golden Hour, your chance to reclaim your time and laugh with your favorite people, play your favorite song on repeat, gaze outside your window and daydream about your wildest dreams, or celebrate your victories. No matter the moment, you can savor it all with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. As the number one ranked Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S., Kim Crawford has classic aromas of lifted citrus, tropical fruit, and crushed herbs to help you stay in a golden hour state of mind. Because golden hour is more than just time, it's whenever you want to savor amazing. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more. That's KimCrawfordWines.com to find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Actually, the kind of the perhaps less seen fandom is women, for sure. All right. But let's talk about some stuff. Let's talk about uh, Jen. Uh, the main character, who is a character who's not born into politics. She's not born with the force, but decides to fight for what she sees as right anyway. So this is actually unique when you think about uh, past heroes and heroines in Star Wars. They usually have some kind of relation to somebody, or they have the force, most likely both. (laughs) Um, uh, Or are they born into politics? She comes into her own as a leader. As far as costuming, she wasn't sexualized. And this was kind of an upsettingly big deal at the time. I remember reading a bunch of articles about it. Like, oh my gosh, she's wearing boots. She's ready for combat. Um, She's wearing situation-appropriate clothes. Uh, She's wearing like these shades of browns and gray. Her hair is in a simple style too. I mean, you, maybe you wouldn't be shocked, but people wrote so much about it. And I remember noticing it when I saw it. I was like, oh, wow, okay. She's trained, she's competent, she's never really the damsel in distress. Uh, she's tough, but she's still kind. She saves this little girl despite the strong, I give no shits attitude she's trying to pull off at first. Uh, and she's willing to listen and change and lead. She knows how to fight, she's strong, she's good with weapons. Um, I kind of always hesitate with that stuff because it's like masculine territory and I don't know that it should be lauded, but it's also, you don't see women doing that often. 
Like she can take care of herself, I guess is the best way to put it. She's unique in being the lead, as in it's her alone. Although some might argue it's her and Cassian, but like normally it's like Han and Leia or Anakin and Padme. It's sort of her. Right. Cassian is just there for the hug. (laughs) It's a damn good hug. I know you hate it, but it's so good. (laughs) Uh, Still, she's pretty much the only woman of character of note, other than some other cameos. Only 17% of the film's dialogue was spoken by women. Cassian spoke more than Jen did. She's kind of like... Of course. Of course. Her face was... I was watching it the other day. I was like, wow, she's always unhappy. And I guess it's always unhappy here. Um, it does pass. Everyone dies, Annie. <laughs> no. It was very <laughs> sad, I know. It does pass the Bechdel test, but we know that is not the end-all be-all. Uh, another thing we've talked about in a lot of this, a lot of the entertainment that's really popular, a lot of her actions are influenced by men or are precipitated by men. So like, her dad kind of draws her in, and then Cassian kind of draws her in, um, things like that. This was the most diverse Star Wars film when it came out easily, and many expressed annoyance and concern that uh, there were these characters of color, but they were almost seen as a footnote, and they didn't receive as much attention or even merchandise, and lack of women of color in substantial roles. And I think we talked about this in the sequels one, but almost always the lead role for a woman in Star Wars is petite, white, brown-haired woman. And very pretty, yeah. but generically Hollywood. No offense <laughs> to her. But like, I really, like she reminds me of someone else that I've never seen because I've never seen her in another movie. And I'm like, but she reminds mm. me of right. A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. This, the toys thing, uh, Bridget and I did a whole episode on it and it's really a big deal. Like, I know it sounds sort of silly, but they choose things. They choose characters and genders about what they think toys will sell. And so this whole thing could have been in response to what happened with Ray toys in The Force Awakens, where there were no Ray toys, even though she's the main character. It was this huge fiasco. They still haven't gotten it quite right. <laughs> I also seem to recall a lot of discussion about Chirrut and Blaze possibly being the first queer couple in Star Wars, but that has never been confirmed as far as I know. And I remember at the time, there was this meme, because there was an announcement, like, we're finally going to have the first queer couple in Star Wars. And then it was like two characters nobody had ever heard of. Please don't yell at me if I'm wrong. But I just remember it being, we thought it was going to be them, maybe. Mm. And then it was, I think it was two characters from one of the animated shows. And I will say, though, I know they talk about they love each other, but I, even me, in my head, I was like, it could be platonic oh, caretaker oh yeah, love. Uh-huh. And I didn't really grasp all of that. Not that I needed them to make out or anything, but it still was like they played it safe, nonetheless. Uh, did I like their bond? Absolutely. But yeah. I feel like it could have been any real, like, any brotherhood even. Like, that's that level yeah. that you just don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. So even if they were... I feel like they just said it to kind of say it, but they kept it safe so they people get, didn't get mad at them and them being the creators. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like we sort of talked about this in queer baiting, the queer baiting episode, and it's really complicated subject. I think we basically we just need to normalize queer relationships because I right. also want to see these platonic relationships. Right. Like I want to see that too. Right. But 
also queer relationships. Right, that's the thing. Is like, I do, if it's queer, then that's great. But if it's mm-hmm. also like two men can actually love each other like this and it still be platonic, and let's mm-hmm. normalize that and yes. make that healthy. A woman yes. and a man can be friends and love each other, mm-hmm. but not love each other and be platonic. Mm-hmm. Let's normalize that. It doesn't all have to be sexual. 100% agree. I love it. That's totally, that's how I feel too. Another theme throughout this is definitely father-daughter relationships. Daddy issues continue. It's a big theme in Star Wars. (laughs) It's a big theme. Um, So you have Jen with Galen, obviously, but also Saul, who is sort of her adoptive caretaker for a while, and her really wanting him to be proud of her, which is not a problem. It's just kind of something we see a lot. Also, the death of the mother, which is a recurring theme in a lot of our entertainment, Mm. including Star Wars. Yeah, I was like actually counting it the other day and I'm like, oh yeah, Padme died. Like I was going through like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Unnecessary. (laughs) It is though, I know you hate it when I bring this up, but I read this essay about like, how do you, for a kid's movie, how do you draw them in? And it's like immediately you have to have the emotional trauma, like the thing, the loss. Just because the kids don't have the uh, attention span. So I can't decide if I liked, if I appreciated the death of the mother in this movie because it seemed unnecessary, irrational, and just out of nowhere. Like, is it a good thing that she was willing to fight against them and not be taken in like her father who got taken in and instead of, you know, fighting with her, just let her die? Or mm-hmm. is it is it her being just unnecessarily wild and not willing to be there for her daughter. Like, those two conflicts in me, but also why? (laughs) Right. I mean, I think that that is a good point. And I think that I've seen a lot of these conversations play out where it's hard because I'm not a parent, so I can't say, but it's it's a point of a lot of what you're talking about. I've seen it. Also, like, I don't want to... I love this movie. That doesn't mean that they were clearly like trying to have an emotional thing and put her on her own. And it, you know, maybe doesn't make the most sense, but... Also, if she'd been that traumatized and been stolen by renegades who also abandoned her, she would have had a lot more issues than what we say. I wanted <laughs> no, to put that Samantha, out there. No, you always say I'm this and sorry. I have to hold I'm on. I'm sorry, but it's true. Keep going. Hold on. Um, I think she had a lot of issues. Uh, she she did, but she seemed to get past them pretty quickly. <laughs> she said she's not used to people sticking around when things go bad. Mm. Another theme I saw pop up a lot was this theme of believing women because Jin is the only surviving person who saw the message from Galen saying, like, there is this. I put in this uh, flaw in the Death Star. You need to get the plans. And when she, they talk about it at this like, kind of alliance rebellion meeting, people don't believe her because she's the only one that saw it because she's his daughter. And later when she's sort of like, I'm going anyway, I'll go alone. All these people come up and support her and Cassian says, I believe you. And then, as I mentioned earlier, toxic masculinity, which uh, we talked about a lot in the sequel one because The Last Jedi is like a whole study on toxic masculinity. <laughs> but... Um, so you have all these dudes, you've got Vader, you've got Tarkin, you've got Krennic, basically being really petty with each other to get more credit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I I felt like I was watching when they do the soap operas with women fighting yes. with each other. It was beautiful. I totally agree. And for some, we, because we hold masculine things above feminine things, 
this is acceptable, but so proper thing, like, you should be, that's a guilty pleasure. Right. Well, it's acceptable because at least someone dies. You need that <laughs> action, apparently. <laughs> Instead of just being betrayed and crying. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, you're right. You're not wrong. Violence, some type of, like, aggressive behavior. Um, <laughs> and... I don't know. There's just something about me that gets some joy out of that. I know it's not good, <laughs> but it just made me laugh that they're all kind of like, and there's some really great Tarkin Invader shade that happens. I yes. love it. Because Tarkin knows he's too high for Vader to kill him. So I really enjoy watching them go at it. They do that a lot in the comics. You can see there's some really good, yeah. <laughs> really good exchanges. And then... I found this interesting. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of articles I read were talking about how this is a movie about war and politics or avoiding politics. And the timing when it came out was really interesting. Um, picking and choosing when to be political, losing sight of things in war. So you have Cassian being like, you know, I didn't get to pick and choose when I'm in the rebellion. I've been in this since I was six. You've also got the everyday heroism. Uh, so I, thought that was really interesting. I mean, I, I can't talk about this. I'm going to, it's going to open a whole thing. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I I thought that was really interesting because you kind of get to see like all these different people and where they're coming from and why. And it's not always pretty, I guess. And then hope, you know, it's really dark Whatever. movie. But rebellions are built on hope. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> She's giving me the most unimpressed face. Mm. <laughs> oh, I do like that she gives that speech. I like that she kind of steps up. I don't know. And then uh, she everybody, dies. Yeah. And then she dies. <laughs> she, yeah, they got a good hug out of it, though. They Can you die. believe? <laughs> you know what I'm learning through this? If you, your favorite fan fiction tag would be Everybody Lives, Nobody Dies, uh, which is a tag. <laughs> I just need a few. I don't need everybody. I need a few people to live. Yeah. Well, yeah. When I was watching it yesterday, I was like, well, you know, Leia lives, but then she's not on that island. She's not on that planet. And yeah, she dies. <laughs> she does. And she doesn't bummer. have a happy marriage. <laughs> Nothing is happy. This is why you need headcanon. My headcanon is very well-oiled. It's like nothing in the sequels. No. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe some stuff, but only the good stuff. <laughs> uh, did yes. we talk about well, Hans, the solo movie? That's no. a movie I liked. Oh, Except for the fact that they do kill off of several of my favorite characters, but at least several people live. Yes. And also, uh, Kira who's the love interest mm-hmm. in that one. Well, I should yeah. call her that because she is a badass. She is. She does not need to be his love interest. She fights Vader and wins. What? She, yes, in a recent comic. Isn't that wild? Wow. Um, but yes. I'm down for that. I would love to talk about that. I can also kind of complain about how Jon Favreau has all these voice cameos and things that kind of bothers me. It's <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. Wait, you but can't he now like, owns a chunk of this, so... You this, can't these have are his 15 now. different characters in Star Wars. I'm sorry. <laughs> At least he's not injecting himself as a person, like his whole body and his face everywhere. Not yet. Anyway, I have no real problem with him. I, I just am like, wait a minute. You can't be this, but this, but this. But can't he? 
I know. I have no power in this, really. You I wish no I did. Mm. Maybe one day. You know what? I'm going to start a, a scheme. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. We really went off the rails on this one. I really... <sighs> I feel like we touched on some real good feminist issues, but we also touched on things that were just Star Wars related. (laughs) Anyway, happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Thanks as always for coming on these journeys with me. I know you didn't (laughs) like it, Samantha, but... Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I feel like it was a good... (laughs) We had different points of view. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, as always... We would love uh, suggestions for the next movie that we should watch. You can email those to us at stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. I'm sorry for screaming so much. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest, named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times. Every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee, sounds perfect.